You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Hey, welcome to Awakened Church. I am so thrilled that you tuned in today. I'm telling you today, you're going to hear an incredible word. God spoke this word to me a few weeks ago, especially now that the world and especially United States of America and specifically where we live, San Diego in California, is beginning to awaken from the shutdown, from the lockdown, from the isolation, literally from the devastation that this pandemic put our country, our city and the world into. But you need to understand that God is a God of awakening. In fact, if you look at the seasons, there is a winter every single year. There's a winter every single year. And winter is when all the leaves fall from the trees, all the fruit falls to the ground, everything goes dead, everything goes barren. But we know that there's a spring and spring is always resurrection, always new life. Do you know that the first year, or excuse me, the first month of the year in Israel is the month Aviv, Abib, which means spring or new life. God counts everything. God begins His calendar with resurrection and with new life. So the title of my message today is The God of Awakening. Come with me. I want to take you on a journey to one of my favorite stories. It's the story of Lazarus. And we're going to pull out of here some truths that I know are going to encourage you. The beautiful thing about the Bible is that, yes, it is a book of history, but I need you to understand it is a book of His story. That's what history is, His story. God, unlike you and I, lives outside of time. You and I are trapped in time. So God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, the three dimensions of time, past, present, and future. And what God did and how God behaved in times past is exactly predictable patterns of how He will behave in your life and my life today. And all that we need to do is just learn the lessons of faith that activate God. This isn't very popular preaching in a lot of circles, but you need to understand I got saved on a beach. I didn't grow up in a in a Bible-believing home and I didn't have a theological upbringing. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ on a beach. And so I might be a little more unorthodox, but I got to tell you, I discovered that God works in predictable patterns. The Bible says in Psalm 103, that God showed Moses His ways and the children of Israel His acts. God showed Moses His ways. In other words, God, God showed Moses how He moves and why He does certain things. Moses knew what God would do in any circumstance before God did it. Whereas the children of Israel, they, they were only aware of His acts. They were only aware of what God did after the fact. I want to lead you today in a place where you can experience God's awakening on your business, on your marriage, on your finances, on your family, on your relationships. Whatever you've lost in this season, you better believe that the same God who is the Lord over winter is the same God who's the Lord over spring, who's the Lord over summer. And summer all the way through the Bible is harvest. But come with me right now. We're going to go to a town called Bethany and it begins in John chapter 11. It says, Now there was a man named Lazarus who was sick. 
And he was from Bethany, which is the village of Mary and Martha. And that's the same Mary that poured the anointing oil on Jesus' feet, the beautiful perfume. And she washed and wiped his feet with her tears and her hair. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, they said to him, Lord, the one that you love, the one that you love is sick. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes we think if something bad happens to us, maybe God doesn't love us. If we went through the COVID-19 and a family member contracted it, or maybe we got fired from a job and maybe it was between you and another guy and they kept the other guy on and they fired you. And you can think, man, look, you know, I come home, my kids are fighting, my wife's not happy, the dog bit me and now God doesn't like me. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says the one whom you love is sick. Just because Jesus loved him didn't stop him from being sick. And just because he was sick didn't mean that Jesus didn't love him. But come with me in the story. I know it sounds negative, but come with me in the story. Jesus says this. His response is this sickness will not end in death, but it's to the glory of God. This sickness will not end in death. Now, we're going to go down a little bit further and, and the disciples say to him, hey, you know, you just got the report. Are we going to go to Bethany and see Lazarus? And Jesus said, no, 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 we're on mission right now. We've got to stay here a few more days. I've got an assignment here. And they're like, yeah, but, but I thought your friend, your dear friend Lazarus is sick. And Jesus said, I know Lazarus is falling asleep, but I'm going to go there and wake him up. And they said, oh, well, that's good. If he's falling asleep, that means he's getting better. And she's like, oh dear, no, he's dying. He's, got, he's dead. And I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't there. Well, when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, the Bible says when he arrives there, he finds out that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. That's in verse 17. He finds out he's been in the tomb for four days. And Martha comes out of the house and Mary's too brokenhearted. She stays in the house. So Martha comes out and she greets Jesus. And this is what she says to Jesus. She said, Lord, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Hint, hint. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Martha, being a good little uh, good little Christian, good little churchgoer, good little uh, Shabbat schoolgoer, says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now watch what Jesus says, verse 25. Jesus said to her, sweetie, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he die, yet will he live. In other words, where I go, resurrection goes. I met Jesus Christ on a beach 34 years ago I didn't find religion, I found resurrection. When I had an encounter with Jesus Christ, He didn't add rules and regulations and guilt trips and hang-ups and say, well, you can't do this because that's fun. You can't do this anymore because that's fun too. If you don't want to go to hell, then that's not what I found. What I found when Jesus came into my life, I found resurrection life and resurrection power. At, at Awaken Church, we're not here to preach religion. God didn't send me from Sydney to San Diego to give this city religion, to bring religion into your life. The word religion comes from a Latin word, religio, which means 
uh, regulations. That's where we get regulations. God loved the world too much to give him another religion. In fact, Jesus died to end religion. He died to repair a severed and broken relationship because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God. Jesus hung on a cross so that you and I could have relationship with God, where Jesus is resurrection life follows baby. So then Jesus takes a few more steps and then now Mary comes out and Mary does the same thing. She goes, Lord, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then she starts to weep. And when Jesus sees Mary weeping, he sees the hopelessness. The Bible says it's the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Then Jesus wept. Now I want you to come with me. Have a look at this. Watch this. The Jews then said to him, verse 36, see how he loved him. Verse 37, but some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Interesting. I want you to know three times, if you would have been here, this would not have happened. If only you would have come, my brother would not have died. Could this man not have kept this man from dying? Watch this. So now Jesus comes to, to the tomb and the tomb was a cave with a stone rolled against it. That's how they used to bury people in those days. And, uh, and Jesus says to, to Martha, He says, Martha, take away the stone, roll away the stone. Martha loves her brother. The Middle East, the, the, the commerce of the Middle East, the values of the Middle East, is shame and honor. In the Western world, it's, it's more a, uh, a justice and law, sin and judgment, righteousness, not in the Middle East. In the Middle East, it's honor and shame. She says, Lord, I don't want to roll away the stone. He's been dead for four days. This is the Middle East. The sun's beating down. If we roll away the stone, you know what's going to come out of there? A foul stench. Her words are literally by this time there is a bad odor for he has been dead four days. Watch what Jesus says. He says, Martha, did I not say to you, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and he prayed, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know that you always hear me, but I'm saying this so everybody here can know that it's possible to have relationship and access with you. And when Jesus finished praying, he cried out saying, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says he was dead. The man who had been dead for four days, the man who had been decomposing for four days, got up and came out of the tomb. What was dead came back to life. What was decomposing was now resurrected. What was lost was now revived. I want you to know that God is a God of awakening, that, that it may look dead. Your financial prospects for 2020 may look dead. You may have been saving for a home and it looks dead. You may have been saving up for a wedding ring. It may look dead. You, you may have planned a wedding and had to move the wedding because of the social distancing and the, the, the shutdown and, and nobody's allowed to be within six feet and we're not allowed to have large gather, gatherings together. 
You may have had to put it off, but I want you to know that whatever looks dead, whatever is dead, one word from God, one word from Jesus. That's why I love serving Jesus because at any time He can send a word into my world, send a word forth into my circumstances and death can come back to life. He wants to awaken your business, awaken your hopes, awaken your dreams, awaken your prospects, awaken what was lost, awaken what died, awaken what COVID-19 robbed from you. Our God, the God that we serve is an awakening God. Now, let me give you three quick thoughts, three quick thoughts. The first thought that I need you to catch, point number one is preventionist versus resurrectionist preventionist versus resurrectionist. The world somehow got together with a committee and, and somehow we decided without God being involved, we, we kind of didn't invite God to the committee hearing and to the party. We just as earthlings got together and we decided, okay, Lord, we have gathered together and we have decided that thou art from henceforth known as a preventionist. Lord, your job is to prevent bad things from happening. Remember, Martha came out, Lord, if only you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Mary comes out, Lord, if only you would have been here, this would not have happened. Then the Pharisees said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind have prevented this man from dying? We have a broken theology. We think that if because God is good, because God is good, He should get on preventing bad things from happening. Nowhere in the Scriptures, nowhere in the Bible will you find God saying that I am a preventionist. I, I, I'm going to do my job. I'm going to prevent bad things from happening. Friend, we live in a sinful world. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where there is a devil, where there is evil, where there is wickedness, where there is calamity, where there are earthquakes, where there are all kinds of nasty things happening. God is not a preventionist God. God is a resurrectionist God. God is a resurrectionist God. God will resurrect. God will resurrect what is dead, what is killed, what is taken away, what has been stolen, what is lost. God is a resurrection God. He is the resurrection and the life and that resurrection power can flow towards you in this time. So don't get so upset. Don't, 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 don't let the devil get you down that horrible road where you're blaming God. Oh, you know, why didn't God prevent COVID-19? Why didn't God prevent the economy from shutting down? Why didn't God prevent me from losing my job? Why didn't God prevent? Why didn't God prevent? Nowhere in the Bible does God say I'm a preventionist, but you better believe all the way through the Bible, God is a resurrectionist. God is a new lifeist. God restores. Even when you look at the story of Job, where Satan stole everything that Job had, his children, his businesses, his wealth, his farms, his inherit everything the devil stole from him. And then we read in Corinthians, the Bible says this, that we see now looking back God's intended end for Job, that whatever Job was going to take away Oh, sorry, whatever Satan was going to take away from Job, God had already predetermined double for your trouble. Whatever Satan takes from you, Job, I have already predetermined. I've already decreed whatever he touches, I'm going to give you back double for your trouble. Don't let, don't let the, theologians lie to you and people who don't know their Bibles lie to you that tell you, well, you just got to live with loss and you got to live with pain and, and God doesn't care. God doesn't care. He wants you to suffer. Nothing could be further from the truth. The God that you and I serve is a resurrection God. He resurrects hopes. He resurrects dreams. He 
He resurrects plans. He resurrects marriage. He resurrects finances. He resurrects business opportunities. He is a God of resurrection. He's a God of new life. The second point I want you to to look at is Jesus then says to, to Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see? The world says that seeing is believing. So point number two is believe and see versus seeing and believing. The world that you and I live in, the world that you have grown up in will condition you to have a mindset or to have a predisposition to adopt the standard of, well, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. When I see it, I'll believe it. Until I see it, I won't believe it. Friend, don't live there. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. Faith is believing before you see it. Faith is believing before you see it. You have that faith. When you sit on a chair, you believe it's going to hold your weight. When you book an air ticket, you believe the plane's going to land at the destination that it says on your ticket. You're operating in faith every day. Don't let the devil say you don't have any faith. Of course you've got faith. When you put a seed in the ground, you're believing that a tree's going to grow. You're believing you're going to have tomatoes growing on that tree. You, you operate in faith all the time. The Bible teaches us that if we will believe, we will see. But the world, the thief, the devil will try and rob from you. He'll say, don't believe it until you see it. I love movies. And one of the great movies is uh, the, the trilogy of The Matrix. And there's a scene where, where Neo's inside the matrix and he's moving so fast. He's moving like the sentinels and, and the guys back in the control station are saying, man, we've never seen anybody moving so fast. What's happening down there? What's happening down there? And I love Morpheus. Morpheus just kind of, you know, he, he's just so, so, so suave and so cool and so confident. He goes, he's starting to believe. As soon as he started to believe, it's like all these powers were activated. I love the, the Star Wars saga, all this, the, the Star Wars series. And in The Empire Strikes Back, you know, Luke is told by Obi-Wan, Luke, go to the Dagobah system. Learn there from Yoda, a great Jedi. And so he flies to the Dagobah system. Well, he crash lands his, his X-wing fighter into a swamp. And when he's trying to leave, he can't get it out because it's too heavy. And so Yoda's been training him. He says, pull it out. And he tries, he gets it up. And then it draws back down. He says, I can't, I can't do it. It's too heavy, it's too heavy. And so Yoda, frustrated, you know, puts out his little hand and and lifts up the X-wing and pulls it out and then puts it on dry land. And Luke is just like deer in the headlights. It's like, I don't believe it. And then Yoda, exasperated, opens his eyes and, "Ah, that is why you fail. That is why you fail because you don't believe. This message God is trying to get through that if you believe, you will see. The battle is always in the believing. The battle is always in the believing. We will say, man, I want to believe, but how do I believe? I'm glad you asked that question. Believe it or not, what you believe is determined by the word you hear. The words that you have heard determine the beliefs of your heart. If you have heard the words, can you really trust God? Remember in Genesis 3, Satan comes to divide man from God. He says, has God really said you'll die if you eat off that tree? Get out of here. God knows the day you eat off that tree, you ain't surely going to die. You'll be just like God, knowing good. He's holding out on you. Oh man, you trust him? And the Bible says all of a sudden their perspective changed. Now when she saw the tree was good, she took and ate. Fear entered her heart. She, 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 trust was lost. She believed a lie 
and destruction followed. The word that you hear determines what your heart believes. Listen to me, get to church, be in church, be in the Word of God, build your life on the promises of God. When we came to San Diego, the people were piping off, telling me what we can and can't do, the kind of church we can and can't build, the, the buildings we can never own, the facilities we will never run, the services that will never take place. But I made a decision, God bless you, I hear you, but the final word is gonna come from the Word of God. I'm gonna hear what God has to say. And when God began to speak to me, I found I got a very different word. Build your life on the promises of God. Build your life on the Word of God. When Jesus said, take away the stone, she said, Lord, by now there's a great stench. He's been dead and decomposing for four days. In other words, she said, if I roll away the stone, you know what's gonna come out of that tomb? What's gonna come out of that tomb? I learned it in biology. I learned it in science. I know about dead corpses decomposing. What's gonna come out of that tomb is the foul stench of a dead man. Jesus is like, Martha, did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? You know what's gonna come out of there? A living man that was once dead. A miracle is gonna come out. Resurrection is gonna come out. An awakening is gonna come out. Make a decision today. Believe the Word of God. Believe the promises of God. If God is for you, who or what can be against you? He's a God of awakening. He's a God of resurrection. And He's a God of new life. You may be dead in sin. God is going to resurrect you. You may be dead in an addiction. God is going to awaken you and bring new life. You may be dead in hopelessness or in fear or in debt or in poverty or, or you know, in, in relational inequity. You may be on the brink of divorce. Friend, run to God. God will bring resurrection. And the last one, point number three, catch this, I've got to land this, is faith versus fear. Faith versus fear. There's a, another beautiful story where Jairus, who's the ruler of the synagogue, comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, my 12-year-old daughter's at home, sick, death's door, please will you come? Well, usually, like Jairus, we do the same thing. We don't uh, inquire of God. We don't activate or invite God. We Prayer is our last option. This girl is like right on the cusp of death. In fact, Jesus gets distracted with another miracle and then a guy comes from Jairus' house and says, hey, Jairus, don't bother the teacher any further. Your daughter's dead. Game over. The Bible says as soon as Jesus heard those words, he grabbed Jairus and said, Jairus, do not be afraid. Only believe and your daughter will be raised up. What an incredible word. Jairus was believing for a healing and now she's died. Can I tell you, God can give you even beyond what you believe if you go to faith. How do we go to faith? Well, he got a negative word from somebody who was an attendant at his home saying, your daughter just died. She just <sighs> breathed her last. It's over. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Jesus was a great teacher, but don't you dare just reduce him to a teacher. He is also a resurrector. He is also a savior. He is also a deliverer. He is also a redeemer. He is also a conqueror. He is also a vanquisher. He is also a defeater of all the works of the devil. And Jesus turns to Jairus and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. See, fear believes something you can't see will happen. My daughter's dead and that's over and it's game. But fear is believing something you can't see will happen. It's so different to faith. Faith is believing something you can't see will happen. 
so different to fear. Fear, believing something you can't see will happen. Faith, believing something you can't see will happen. Notice how they're both the same. But one is negative. Fear, fear is, is, is like a spirit of faith, but in the negative. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.8, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Why would God not give us a spirit of fear? In other words, God has given us all things that we may enjoy life. God says, yeah, you know what you don't need? You don't need fear. Fear is a tool of the enemy to attract negative things, to attract death into your life. So God intentionally hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but the Bible says to each one, God has given a measure of faith. So He says to Jairus, don't go to fear, go to faith. Do not be afraid, don't go to fear, go to faith, only believe. And when they get there, Jesus raises the little girl from the dead. Friend, I'm telling you, there is fear everywhere, mass and panic and people losing their minds in the, the, the grocery stores and at the beach and cycling. It's, it's just, it can be overwhelming. You're not of the household of fear. You're of the household of faith. Faith is believing something you can't see. You may not be able to even see it at the moment. I don't see how I'm going to get this money back. I don't see how I'm going to get my job back. I don't see how I'm going to get... I'm telling you, you keep running to God. You keep turning up. You keep listening to His Word. Keep speaking His Word. Keep declaring the promises of God. And God is faithful. God watches over His Word to perform it. You're going to see God do a miracle. You're going to see God do a breakthrough. Friend, the greatest thing you can do today is surrender to Jesus. When Jesus comes into your life, everything changes. On the screen right now, there's a website. And the website is www.awakenchurch.com forward slash Jesus. I want you to go there. I want you to click on that. Maybe you're away from God, come back. Maybe you once walked with God. You went to Sunday school, but you know today you're far from God. Come back. Or maybe you need to make a first time commitment or a recommitment. Today is your day. Father, I thank you for these beautiful people. As they come to you today, Lord Jesus, I thank you that resurrection and new life comes to them. I thank you, Lord God, that today hearts are turning to Jesus, lives are being changed, that they encounter the God of awakening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.